G'day community and welcome to another episode of Talking Fantasy. Now, today I'm joined by a very special guest. I was joined by Selby, but you guys will probably know him as Marrera's Magic, the AFL Fantasy winner of 2017 and 2018. Marrera, thank you for joining us. It's a pleasure to have you on and how are you? Good mate, how are you? I'm fantastic, as fantastic as I can be without footy. I'm sure you're feeling similarly. Yeah, mate, exact same. Sitting on the couch watching this uh, Fox Footy Live. I think they're talking about top five movies of all time. So they've, they've already run out of stuff to talk about. So, um, yeah, doing our best in a tough market. Yes. Well, hopefully we can relieve that for 40 minutes or so for the listeners of the pod. Let's tell the listeners, first of all, who you are and why you're a fantasy relevance. The general background is you're one of the greatest bloody fantasy footy players of all time. Um, how would you describe your experience and your part in the footy bubble? Yeah, well, yeah, the runs are on the board. So I, I came out in 2017 and um, well, I've been playing fantasy all my life. I've obviously just been a, every, just like most guys and girls do and just battle along. But 2017 was the year I made my mark and won the comp by a record amount of points. I think it was like 500 points or something by the end, uh, which got me on the map. And from there, given I was such a big, keen follower in AFL fantasy and footy in general um, and, and played the game since I was a kid and never sort of been anywhere near the top, I was keen to share with people my experiences and what it took to take it to the top and what I did and what I looked for and the secrets to my success. So I was pretty active on Twitter through that off season of 2018 and leading into the 2018 season, giving up some tips and advice and giving some insights into my team. Um, so I had a few eyes on me then, which obviously brought about a bit of pressure as well, um, being the defending champ and, and people wanting to know how I'm going to go. And um, funnily enough, I backed it up and, Finished tied for first come the end of the year, which was a, a story in itself, um, which created a few headlines and also um, made myself or Marrera's Magic, my team, even more relevant on the back of that. So I was the first um, coach ever to obviously go back-to-back or win it twice, um, which is a, a fair achievement, particularly when there's oh, 150-odd thousand teams who enter the comp of AFL Fantasy. So it was... Um, yeah, so on the back of that, I've um, obviously, yeah, we've had a few things come from there. Let's talk about, well, I mean, congratulations again on a remarkable a remarkable fantasy career. Just, like, we can't exp- express enough to the people listening how hard it would be to win once, let alone bloody back-to-back. For anyone who might not know what happened in that, that tired year of 2018... Was, was there a bit of panic at the end of the season there? Because no one really knew what to do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I was I had a pretty poor start to the season. I, I famously left out Tom Mitchell, my starting squad, uh, who went out and got 48 touches round one, 46 round two, 43 round three. And obviously putting yourself up um, and trying to build this Twitter profile, which I had been doing in the off-season. Um, you're, you're leaving yourself pretty susceptible for, for criticism, uh, which I copped a lot of um, when I initially released my team. And as look, look back now, and even at the time, I kind of smiled and sort of thought, oh, it's all pretty fun in games. But it, it was also quite 
um, sweet to see that that strategy, um, although didn't look like it worked out, given that I was missing out on Tom Mitchell's points at the start of the year. Um, my team was still good and good enough to obviously hit the lead come round 22 uh, with a week to go. And ironically, it was Tom Mitchell who was in question again because I think Hawks were playing Swans. Um, Tom Mitchell typically got tagged by Hewitt. So the talk was, do you, do you trade out Tom Mitchell for this last round of the, of the, uh, of the year? And given I was sitting on top, it's a, it's a difficult position to be in. It's actually not as fun as it all suggests. It's fun at the end of the year, but during the year, you're basically just um, watching the teams below you and keeping a track on them and making sure that any of their, their uniques, you've got them covered. Um, and it's certainly much a lot more fun being the chaser and, and chasing up the rankings. But anyway, I was looking through the teams and trying to predict what the other teams would do. And basically, the, there was a team... Um, who was coming fourth? Who had the exact same team as me leading into the into the buys, and he eventually traded out Tom Mitchell, made the big move, which I didn't do. I kept Tom Mitchell my team, and and he got in Seb Ross, and I I had a lead on him of about thirty three points heading into the week, into the round. Tom Mitchell comes out and scores a ninety seven, which was pretty respectable given that he had a pretty hard tag throughout and. A, Looking back on it, any every one of those little handballs and kicks he did obviously um, became worth it because Sebros came the last round of the of the year, last game of the home and away season, a dead rubber Saints versus Kangas. Any non fantasy or super coach players would probably not even bother watching it, given both teams were headed for the um, for the off season. But if Sebros were to score 123 points, um, this guy James, surely shock as his team was, would would beat me. And um, if he scored anything less than 122, if he scored 121 or below, um, I'd get the chocolates. And obviously, as the story goes, he scored 122 on the dot. And <laughs> after all these games and every kick, Campbell, Mark, hit out throughout the season, two teams finished on the exact amount of same amount of points, which uh, particularly given the year prior when I won by 500 points and had my feet up having beers watching the last game of footy that that day. Um, it was a pretty tense moment watching that game and, um, yeah, watching Ross going, getting possessions at will. Um, and for a period there, he, I think he notched up his 122nd point with about two or three minutes to go in the game. So by that stage, and the way he was, his rate of scoring, which was more than a point a minute, it was like, well, I've lost this. So um, no one was happy to hear the siren than me when that went. And um, I was, I didn't know what the fallout was going to be, given it was a draw. Um, it was more just, I was just stoked. And I was there doing, car- I was in New York at the time. Um, it was about 4.30 a.m. And I was there doing cartwheels around my little apartment. I was cheering and yelling and carrying on like I'm a pretty placid guy and don't really show a heap of amount of energy. But I've never been so, I've you know, had so much euphoria um, with that. Um, more so just to show that I've, I have backed up all the chat I did all pre-season and um, the critics I got early in the year when I didn't have Tom Mitchell in my side and just to, to go the back-to-back and get the equal amount of points was enough for me. Um, obviously went to sleep then at 4.30 in the morning and uh, woke up to a Twitter barrage. People had gone through the rules and the, and the 
terms and conditions. And the term was that if you, on the, on the event of a tie between um, first and got the two top spots, the countback um, system was that whoever registered for the game first uh, got the win, which obviously caused a bit of an uproar too because you you put so much work into the your fantasy and all this stuff, and it, it comes down to something as little as that. And the guy who tied with me, James, he he sent a screenshot of his his um, registration email, and it was it was something that like maybe he registered at say eleven a.m. So I dug mine up and mine showed the day before. So I was like, oh, you beauty, I've got him here. Um, but obviously I was in America and at the time had adjusted. So it was equivalent to about three hours behind. It was about a, a 2 p.m. Uh, registration Sydney time or, uh, where I was based in Melbourne where he was based. So essentially I lost by three hours and by, by – logging on um, and registering my team three hours behind this guy. It's cost me a, a car and um, and that title of, of winning, although I'd still did consider it a win regardless, like the prize was I still had my highlights from the year before, which I won. So as much as I would have loved the car, it was more just the fact that I could say, yep, two years in a row, I've, I've got the most amount of points in, in AFL fantasy. Um, but Toyota came to the party and um, – and the boys at AFL Fantasy and ended up awarding two two winners, and we both got a car. And um, yeah, it's that's the way the story goes. And certainly wouldn't wish that that last quarter of the the North Melbourne Saints game on anyone because the feelings well, I went through, the emotions in that quarter was something else. That's an amazing story, and I bet you thank the fantasy gods that there's no champion data scaling in AFL Fantasy at the end of the game that just pushed. Uh... <laughs> push those scores up there's also some stat adjustments um and not as much as there should be mind you we all know ourselves watching games and watching your players and you think someone's got a tackle in there which should be called a tackle or vice versa or a handball and they're not counted and sometimes they get adjusted at the end of the games nba games they go through them all and you get the stat adjustments overnight um so I was I still wasn't confident till I was refreshing his 122 122 and that's how I know he's score so well because I kept on refreshing his thing for the, probably the next 12 hours until it was pretty settled that that was his score and, and the end result was that but no doubt over well, how many games they play in a year and how many players we had it would have been a kick Mark Hanville hit out which would have been missed and that could have been the difference but it certainly wouldn't have made it such a good story as it is oh, it's, a, it's an amazing story and I'm sure you've been asked this a million times but how many hours do you prep went in per week over 2017 and 2018? Mainly at the start of the season to get um, to get the right starting squad. Um, it uses a lot of mind time. Like I'd be sitting there, whether it's at work or um, watching TV or dinner with the missus and whatever is going on in front of me, all I can think about Am I getting in pendles or am I getting inside? Like it's, it, it'd be ticking away in my brain. But in terms of research, um, it wasn't a heap during the year. But prior to the season starting, I do put in a lot of work um, looking at a whole range of stats, numbers, scenarios, ages, junior numbers, um, time on ground percentages, last five, like second half, finals, pricing um, scenarios. When you're at the upper echelon in the top tier, 
I think you touched on it before. It becomes more about playing the the coaches around your rank rather than just doing a, an obvious trade, doesn't it? Yeah, and that's fun as well. Um, and been fortunate to be in that position twice where I've been yeah, at the top and you you just keep looking at these teams below you and the ones um, pecking at your heels and you eventually feel like you get to know these guys on a personal level when you're trying to guess what moves they make and then when um, the game start, you look at what moves they did make and you see if you got them right or not and it's a lot of cat and mouse going on and even to a point where there's different strategies involved but I'd make trades based on other teams around me, not the trade which I, I think is the right way to go. So, um, for example, in 2017, I'm I'm not the biggest fan fantasy fan of, um, of like a Dane Zorka who was susceptible to a tag. Although they can get a good score, They're, I like my players being a bit more of a hard nosed, no frills, poor skills who can who avoid the tag. Um, but he's someone I would have got in towards the end of the year just because those around the top five had him and on the back of that he actually put, scored pretty poorly in the last couple but it didn't matter because those around me had him so it was all left in the same position but um, yeah I probably could have won by more if I if I stuck to my guns and got in who I, who I actually thought was going to score the best. Yeah but that risk mitigation certainly helped you secure the, the first car so it <laughs> seems like it paid off in the end. I want to talk to you about you've turned this into you create a pre-season AFL fantasy guide. Um, you've done it for well, at least the last couple of years I've had it. And you, you've you turned into a real positive by raising money for the Starlight Children's Foundation and this year Red Cross through for the Bushfire Appeal. Do you want to just talk about how much A, how much you've raised and B, why you decided to choose those two charities? Because it's a remarkable thing you've done. No, it's good, and um, to be fair, it's almost personally, on a personal level, it's, um, although I haven't been doing cartwheels around my apartment like I did that day, it's it's probably meant more to me than the cars. Um, so as I said, I've, I've been playing and a big fan of the fantasy competitions across all sports and even Supercoach and um, other codes since I was young. I like my sport and I like my numbers, so it kind of fits in perfectly with me. Um and for all these years, I'd been playing more so targeting league wins and playing against my mates where you wouldn't look too much more about the overall. So that might have been a factor. But I, I'd, I'd always look at these teams above and how far behind my scores were than the, the top five in the league and overall and think, geez, what are these guys doing? Is there a trick code to this or what, what's the deal? Um, and then obviously been trying a few different formulas and, and this one in 20, 2017 obviously worked and um, was a runaway winner that year. So part of it was I wanted to um, make some of my research which I put into that year and what I what I now look for and what I think is the, the, the blueprint to winning AFL fantasy um, available to those keen coaches out there and, and give them something to – a bit of interest to read. Um, obviously – I didn't want to just make it available to anyone and everyone for free because it would have kind of lost a bit of its competitive advantages for those who did look at it. So I wanted to put a bit of a price on it. But on the flip side, I didn't want to look like the bloke who already won two cars, cash, grand final tickets, and then all of a sudden want to get more and charge money for a profit for this, um, for this guide. And one of my good mates, um, 
GWS, a, a nemesis to a lot of us, super coach and fantasy players, Matt DeBoer. Um, he's on the board of New South Wales Starlight and I've mates with him in Sydney and from Perth originally and um, keep in constant contact with him. And he was one of the first to, to let me know and say, look, you should um, you should put your, your secrets together and a bit of a guide and um, you probably sell this. There's a lot of keen people out there. And, we got chatting and I made mention I didn't really want to make it for a profit given I've already had all the success on the back of it. Um, and he floated the idea of, um, of first he just shared some insights of what they do do at Starlight and the great things they do for kids and how they actually do because yeah, it's not all just the chat. They actually do make a huge impact. So I made the decision that if um, anyone who were to, to purchase my research and guide um, or to get my access to my research and guide, they'd, they'd make a, a $25 donation to Starlight Foundation, um, which I did after my first win and basically all it was was a whole lot of numbers and scenarios and all what I look at, um, which was great. And that year we, we, I capped it and we raised $6,500, which is the average um, cost of a Starlight wish. So basically, on the back of that, we enabled one family, um, sick kid, to live out their starlight wish, which was great. Feedback on the back of that was obviously terrific, um, and and backing up that comp and on the, after doing that and then winning it again, more and more people were interested in, in getting involved. But I realised that the numbers which I put together year one um, was fine for someone who was more experienced in fantasy comp and could sort of um, analyze those numbers and, and read and take off it what they will. But um, those who are more beginners and they kind of want a more of a guide. So I've turned it more into more of a season guide where I yeah, go through every single player, talk about their, um, their past, their value, their price, what I think they can achieve. And if I think they're goodbye and do that for each player. And um, yeah, last year after the 2018 season, I've, I, did the same again, and we managed to raise uh, about $42,500 for the Starlight Foundation on the back of that. And then this year, I did it again, um, but put it that some of the funds given at the time of putting the document together, obviously the devastation with the fires, so I wanted to reach out to those. And um, so I think in the end, I made the donation last week. It was about eight, just over $8,000 went to... Um, the Red Cross um, bushfire appeal, and then the remainder, thirty-two and a half, which was equivalent to five wishes. Um, top of my head, five wishes uh, went to Starlight Foundation. So again, it was a, a huge achievement, great achievement, and made all the hours um, of putting these documents together worth it. Just an amazing effort, and that's almost a hundred grand in three years for to charity, and really. Really important charity, so well done, mate. Congratulations. It's it's a remarkable effort, so really well done. What do you actually love about AFL Fantasy? What do you love about it? What do I love about it? I love that I can... Um, oh, it takes your mind off general life for a good chunk of the week, all your issues and everything else going on, and you can just... You're there worried about, as I said, whether to pick up side, what about these... These silly little um, game which we love, we know and love, and um, watching games of football though it can cause some stress at times. It also causes a lot of enjoyment and 
you know, the whole weekend. And that's why I think a lot of us um, fantasy gurus and admirers are feeling it tough at the moment with no footy because that, that was a big chunk of our life. We'd sit back, watch the footy, and no matter who's playing or what the score is, and we'd always be interested from siren to siren. Um, so that's where I first got interested in it and loved it because you, it just was a great enjoyment and a thrill. I'm a bit of a punter and it's, it's, it's just an innocent free game which we like. Um, we enjoy playing and then obviously on the back of that, I've enjoyed the community and, and meeting a lot of people on the back of it. Um, and then, yeah, the, the, the fundraising to particularly the Starlight Foundation and, and the Red Cross has obviously been the big highlight of my um, tenure with, with the fantasy community. How did you go leading up to this season, getting around in and then basically being told, we're going to stop. I know personally uh, for about a week there, and I, it's it's a small thing in the scale of the world, but for about a week there, I was just like, oh, I'm done. Like, I can't, I've got nothing else to offer. I've spent six months working towards this point and it's been taken away. Yeah. Um, how did you feel when that happened? Yeah, it's tough. So, so obviously won 2017, come the draw and won on, in 2018. I then made the decision to withdraw and not play. Um, for a few reasons. One, that year, um, last year, was, I had a few commitments. So I went to London, watched some Cricket World Cup for a bit, had my 30th, got married, had a few big um, life milestones, which I didn't want to be impacted by fantasy of, like I don't want to be sitting there on my wedding day refreshing scores of, of player stats and um, go to the cricket and, in Lords and be a bit flat because my player didn't get a kick tonight. So basically, I, that was the main reason. But it was also on the back of putting together this season guide. And obviously, if I want to give the best advice possible, if I was playing myself and wanted to, to beat these guys, you'd be inclined to hold a bit back and, and keep a bit to yourself. So by sitting out myself, enabled me not to, to be um, not as conflicted on the advice and um, so that was the decision made last year, which I was glad I did and sat out. And although I think I, some players which I picked and for breakouts or whatever and paid off, and who knows what I would have would have come. It was quite enjoyable after having those two stressful years of of being up the top end. Uh, it was good to sit back and relax, and just particularly as a um, big supporter of Freo Dockers myself, be able to watch them. Although it wasn't much um, enjoyment in that itself, but. Uh, <laughs> Bitch me out of joy footy again and, and um, have it that way. Um, and I was more than happy to do that. And the guy actually who, who purchased the guide, um, it was a good good coach, mind you. He's, well, he's also now had two top, um, whether it's top 10 finishes or top 100 finishes, he's definitely got two of these caps, which you get if you win, if you get top 100 in AFL Fantasy. So there's only a couple of us who have done that. And he, he was sitting at the top up until round 22 and got knocked off in the last game of the season I think some bloke took a big risk with um, picking up Jeremy Cameron against Gold Coast who kicked all those goals to win the Coleman and got him over the line so it was it was actually good sitting back not being involved but being able to cheer for these other teams who did purchase my guide and hoping that one of those would win um, I then made the decision to put my hat back in the ring again this season I don't know why I did it but because I, as I said I didn't quite enjoy that year off um, but I did miss a lot of the, the great things of fantasy, and that is 
being um, having such a nice passion, something to look forward to every weekend, looking forward to the games, watching them siren to siren. Um, plus the, the prize for AFL Fantasy, all of a sudden my um, Toyota Hilux was, is a bit of a base bottle. They I've offered up a 65k SR5 this year, which would be nice <laughs> to get a hands on. So anyway, so I put my hand up. I said, all right, I'll, I'll do it again. And obviously, the writing was on the wall that we weren't going to get a full season and going to be interrupted. And if anything, it, 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 we might still just be one and done. So then the thought was going through my head: Is it worth me putting out a team and um, obviously that going public and people seeing what my team's going to be um, if we're not even going to get a full season in this thing come next year? If, if it's who knows what the scenario will be, but um, it's, I would have lost a little bit of my um, competitive advantage. So once I got called off, I was sort of a bit in limbo with that. But on the flip side, I was happy with my team. They performed well and um, up to my expectation of where I wanted to be come after round one and, and enough to silence because once again, although I have won it twice, like I saw in 2018 after putting up my team, I copped a lot of, criticism again and people say oh no Grundy no Whitfield um, oh you've chose to keep Doherty's score as captain's score that's a terrible score of 95 and all these conversations which were happening on social media which I, I don't actually have Facebook but I've got a few screenshots sent to me and obviously saw it on Twitter as well so it's good to see that end of that round and knowing that I'm in a good position and so I was actually quite happy even though it was called off I was like well I've, I've probably done enough here to suggest that I've still got it. I haven't lost, and my, my method still works. Um, so who knows what will come of this? Then the, who knows what's going to come? Even with if we get, I think, uh, for fans, he's been given three trades um, up until the game resumes, which I think is good for the competitive players. Obviously, understand that it might not be good for those and. Um, who aren't ranked that highly, and it could mean that we we see a drop off, which we certainly don't want as all fantasy fans. So the guys and the team at AFL fans who have to um, toy with that and work out what the best decision is. But at the moment, I'm quite happy just sitting on that, and hopefully, we for multiple reasons, we get to see the play resume sooner rather than later. Agreed. I uh, I can't wait. I I need to see Cade Simpson play again. Yeah. I need to see him in the sleeves. Yeah, um, I can't have his last game be a round one game in no sleeves. I just yeah. can't can't be the case. We talked about what we loved about footy, and we're sad that it's gone. Is there anything you don't like about fantasy footy? I don't like obviously when it, your team, your supporting is involved, and your emotions are impacted on the back of the fantasy, uh, which a lot of people obviously can empathise with. So say, yeah, Dockers are playing, and I'm. Although you want them to win, you kind of want um, a guy on the other team to get a kick. So that's always hard struggle. Um, I've I've learned over the last couple of years not to realise it is just a game, and if a player doesn't perform, it, it doesn't ruin my weekend or ruin my night or anything. Of which I know it can do, it has the ability to do, but it's just a game. At the end of the day, we do it for a bit of fun, and um, it's you, yeah. I, I've learned to distance myself a little bit from that. And, um, not get too caught up in the in the stress of it all because it, it certainly can, um, particularly being a public team and one which has a lot of eyeballs on it. And that's why I always respect um, you guys, anyone in the in the industry who's, who does provide content, um, most in particular the, the three guys at the Traders, the Warney, um, Calvin and, and Roy, who every year 
butter up, put their team up. Um, and it's, yeah, I know it's not in the rules that you're allowed to have multiple teams, but I dare say a lot of other people out there probably have a few teams out there, and if they do no good, they can just forget about it and not play the rest of the year. Whereas if you're, yeah, the public profiles put their team out there, and um, it is a bit on the line. So, um, yeah, I don't know if that all came across as I meant it. But... No, absolutely. Um, I liked that you talked about not letting it ruin your weekend. It took me a long time to get to a point where I was able to separate going to the football and enjoying it and um, going to the football and worrying about the super coach stats. And my rank probably has gotten worse since then from when I did worry about it the whole time, but uh, it's much more enjoyable just being able to watch the footy sometimes. Oh, yeah, and that's what I said. It's, it's not as fun as it seems being at the top. It's Obviously, the games become a lot more a lot more at stake. Um so yeah, that, that's probably why I had felt it. But you just you, you actually do need to just separate and look back and think, well, we, it's a free game. We play it. We love it. It's, we've got no impact. Like as soon as the players go out to play, you, you, there's nothing you can do. If a player gets injured or gets tagged or whatever it is, it's like it's it's just a little game at the end of the day, which we we all love. Have you been able to put your biases aside? Like I try and avoid putting Carlton players in my team because. Uh, I don't want the stress of watching them during the day <laughs> outside of rookies and maybe Paddy Cribs. And that's not a great tactic um, necessarily. <laughs> or I don't pick like a player who's burnt me last year because I don't want to go through that again. Once again, not a great tactic. Have you been able to separate that using your analytical brain and just like, no, I don't care that I don't like this player. I'll pick him because he's going to be good for me. Yeah, I think you've got to... Um... In terms of bias for your team, it's fortunate that Dockers haven't really had a fantasy relevant player for a, a number of years now, so I haven't haven't needed to um, to pick many Dockers in my side. Uh, but yeah, there's obviously never again list people like talking about and putting it on there. But at a certain, if someone's a certain price and certain value, then I think um, sometimes I quite like it picking a player who I used to write off, and they've now come to a point where I think. They're a good price for me to pick up, and it's it's good to turn around and start cheering for someone who you initially um, put a line through. Yep, and I'm just looking at your team from this year. It just looks like uh, Andrew Brayshaw, the only docker in there that's not a rookie. Yeah, I was very close to going um, going Chera, which ended up working out quite well because he had a poor one, as did Brayshaw. But I think they're both going to be good all year and good going forward. Um and Bewley probably should have been in there. I think like mucked around with a few fix-up trades. Bewley will probably pop up in there, and um, yeah, a couple of Dockers, and who knows, Chair and um, Brayshaw could be in there, particularly come the end of the year. Yeah, we've got uh, Damo on the site. Big Frio man has been on the hashtag Brayshaw breakout all preseason, as well as Bewley as well. Uh, um, and I refuse to select them this year to start the year, but I have in every single draft been able to sneak them in because uh, they're clearly going to be good players. I just can't uh, admit that publicly on my normal well, well, supercoach team. Well, you're looking smart round one. If you, if you avoided them round one, you'd be doing good because he, he flopped a bit, Brayshaw, but I'm, I've got confidence he'll be right. Yeah, I'm looking smart, except that at the very last minute I... Back down on my whole preseason attitude and bought Gorn in at the last minute instead yeah. of having Nate Smith. So I just I held out literally until a minute before break before the lockout and was like oh, I've got to put him in. I got to put him in. Regret it. 
Yeah, no, it happens each year, those last-minute changes. And as I said, my one was probably Cheris. So I had, um, I had with a, the only rolling lockout in AFL fantasies with a Thursday night and had Doherty as vice-captain, who I was then going to use as captain, given his 95 and the unknown of what these shortened quarters and games and round one and who knows what's going to happen. So I thought, although it's not a Matt Monster score, it's it's good enough that I'll, I'll take that just to sort of play it a bit safe. And then in terms of starting a, a Grundy, who um, is obviously the best player in the comp, fantasy-wise and arguably in the real life as well, he, um, if I wasn't, I'm happy to pay up for someone like a Grundy, but I'd want to get two for one and use him as my captain. And the fact that he wasn't going to be my captain, I thought, well, there's no real point um, having him in there, particularly round one. I'll, I might get him in next week. So I went down to a Nick Natanui who didn't pay off. Um, I was thinking the low, shorter games, his low time on ground would actually be a greater proportion of the game that could pay off. And with that money, I could then go a chair up to a crisp who also flopped. So hindsight, the other team, um, if I had have kept it the way, I would have got a Grundy 114, so I think that's 50 in a a chair is 40 instead of Chris 50 and I probably would be sitting in the top 50 or 60 I think which can set up pretty nicely but I'm still comfortable with the team and see how we go from there hindsight's 2020 isn't it yeah everyone's got those stories and that's not the worst I've ever I've heard so I'm, I'm happy just if that's my only regret um, I'll take that so I'm going to be asking well I have been asking everyone on this series this I want to know what your favourite fantasy selection of all time is or one of your favorites and then i've got one from your supported team who i'm very excited to talk about do you have someone that stands out to you that's just like always been there for you yeah has worked out there is there's one who's worked out for me chad wingard um 2017 i got him in um is when Port had their buy over China and that you could play them throughout the three buy rounds. So I got him purely just because I wanted a player to play for that. And he went on to, he might have been averaging 60 for the first half year and he went on to average 90 odd for this back half. And um, there's no real merit to his form change. I just picked him purely because I wanted the extra extra games out of him and he, he paid off for me. And, um, some, sometimes they're, all the, they're the sort of move you need because if you move first on these sort of players before they become a hype pick-up, then the next week people will pick them up and you can pick up the next hype player and you always end up being one or two steps ahead of the rest of the comp, which is what you want when you're sitting up the top. Um, then 2018, uh, he was in shocking form. I think he was coming off a of 40 and I took the pun on him again and he came out and started the first bounce the midfield which is a bit of luck but also you listen to the press conferences you 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 put your hat on of what you'd do if you were the coach and you see one of your star players completely out of form up forward you'd you'd throw them in the midfield and give them a bit of confidence and i, I had no inside word or anything but that, that's just what i took the punt on doing um and it paid off me and he scored 126 after he yeah, was coming off a of 40 the week before and i'd had him in my team so i didn't wait for his low break even or wait for it, the riding on the wall. You, you have, if you want to get near the top and, and have a win, you've, you've got to take a bit of a risk and do something which the other teams aren't doing. And, and that was that. And they, just like the previous year, he went on to average 90-odd for the second half of the year and was a top six forward and 
all the other teams went um, in the comp, try to pick him up the next two or three weeks, and I was one step ahead and could then pick up the next type player, and um, that certainly helped me get up to the top. And then he was in my team round one, just gone, and he, he dominated for a, a three or four goal effort and a hundred. So um, he's been very good to me, old Chad. And if I ever bump into him, I'll be sure to buy him a beer. <laughs> Uh, he, I've got to say, Patch on our website is not going to be happy with that story. <laughs> He's got some personal biases against old Chadley. Well, he just likes playing for Marrera's Magic. As I said, he's, he, I know I've looked at his stats every year when I put the numbers together. His numbers don't jump off, and I see he's, he's obviously susceptible to a very poor score. But his average when he's on my team... Um, would have to be a hundred or ninety-five, and his average when he's not on my team for these last three years or whatever I've been playing would would be about a forty, forty-five. So it's a it's a huge difference, and um, yeah, it's just it's been good to me, old Chad. I think my favourite fantasy selection. It's easy to say someone like Nat Fife is my favourite selection from Fremantle, but I'll give you the man who I've got the most fond memories of, and it's Tendai Mazungu. Yeah. Who Came in in his first year, I reckon it was 2011 or thereabouts, as a rookie price player in Supercoach. Went on to average, oh, I can't remember the exact number, I reckon it was mid to high 80s for that year. And um, after, I think the first game he was the sub, I reckon they had the sub back then, or he didn't come onto the ground anyway. But Tendai Mzungu, one of my favourite fantasy selections of all time. No, he was good. He was very good. He's a good, he's, I know him well enough. He's a, he's a good bloke as well. So now we like Tendai. Fantastic. And one of the great players to go over to GWS along with like Santantara help and Brett Thornton, like all those thir- second or third tier players that got a second life at uh, GWS. So we love that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We're running out of time, but thank you, Marrera's Magic. Uh, thank you for joining us. I think Fantasy Coach is going to take a lot out of this and congrat- really congratulations on not only winning, but what you've been able to do with that in terms of the charity and raising money. It's just fantastic. It's great to see people in the community are contributing to a, a wider community. So thanks for coming on, mate. No, thanks. And obviously, yeah, shout out to those who did support the initiative and, and got themselves a guide. And um, I'll probably waffled on a bit that podcast there, but all the best and yeah, appreciate the chat. No, really, thanks. Uh, it was great hearing from you. Cheers, mate.